Christmas Day. And um, if this is the first time that you're hearing this and you're married, <laughs> don't blame me because at some point before bed, you were going to be in trouble. And that's not my fault. So um, I, I once read that a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. A happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. This evening, I want to take you to a passage where a wedding was getting ready to take place. Love was going to be celebrated, and everyone invited. They, they knew the wedding. They knew when the wedding was, and they knew when it was time to leave. They knew everything about that. And so the parable Jesus speaks is in the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps with no oil in them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose. You, know, you notice there's something similar here. They were all invited. They all had lamps. They all slumbered and slept. When it comes time to the end time, it looks pretty similar across the board. But there was one key difference. Some were prepared and some were not prepared. Some had oil and some had intended to grab oil later. If you asked the foolish, I don't think they were like, forget it, I don't need oil. I'll see if they'll let me in without oil. I think it was, no, we'll just grab it later. We'll get it on our way maybe. And so the virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, well, give us of your oil. Our lamps have gone out. And the wise answered saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy it for yourselves. While they went out to buy the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to admit to the marriage. And the door was shut. It's amazing. You read in the Old Testament, Noah, ark, door was shut. New Testament, bridegroom, doors shut. At some point, the door shuts. The Lord says, I am the door. He makes a way for us. But at some point, the door closes. And... Afterward came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. Very much like I would imagine in Noah's Ark. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Scripturally, we know he's coming back and he's calling us to be ready. And so tonight, for just a little while, I want, to, I want to speak on this topic, renew your vows, renew your vows. You know, love, love can fade, love can fade. Time can make us take things for granted. We can place other priorities higher than our first true love. And when this happens, you know, even in a, in a marriage relationship, the spouse can feel neglected, unloved, uncared for. Relationships don't sour and end in divorce in one week. You don't just like, oh, I have the best, the greatest marriage in the world. And like next week, you're like, oh, you know what? I'm getting divorced. 
No, it doesn't happen. Divorce is the culmination of years of issues that were taking place. It didn't just happen. It didn't just, it didn't just transpire overnight. And just like this, relationships don't become awesome. We, cannot, we can talk about the negative side, but what about the positive side? You know, they don't become awesome in a day or a week. They take regular investment. And for those of you who are currently single today, don't mentally check out of this message because I'm not just preaching a marriage message. This is not, I'm not doing marriage 101 here. Don't mentally check out. It's a message for anyone who wants to be a part of the bride. By the way, good to see Jacob and Brittany back. Why don't you just stand up and show everybody that good-looking guy? And I'm talking about your baby, not Jacob. <laughs> Welcome. Look at that. That's adorable. Did you put him in a Packers onesie or no? Mm. Me and Zoe will teach him a song later. If you don't understand what I'm saying about part of the bride, allow me to explain. I've referenced this a lot lately. But the word of God refers to the church as being the bride of Christ. And so look at the responsibility of being his bride. Revelation 19, verse 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Okay? Just like we read in our opening text with the wise and foolish virgins, God expects his bride to make herself ready. So, when he died on a cross, shed blood for you, gave you his plan for salvation, there's an invitation that's given to you. There's a payment that was made for you. But that does not mean that you automatically get to do whatever you want from that point forward. There's preparation time now. I've paid a price for you to be my bride, he says. I've given you an invitation and the plan on how to be part of that bride. But now I'm saying to you to make yourself ready. And... You move on to verse 8. It says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Again, just like Jesus' parable of the wise and foolish virgins, God is going to call his people to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But just because he calls everyone doesn't mean that everyone comes. For instance, those of you that have kids, you say, guys, it's time for dinner. Do every one of your children come the first time you call every time? Does your spouse come the first time you call every time? When the Bible talks in a number of places about Jesus' second coming for his people, his bride. It compares him as a thief in the night. I referenced this in my message just this past Sunday because look what God says in Matthew 24, 37. It says, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day, which is so interesting because I've already been pointing that out. The door was shut. 
knocking. I want to get on, right? No. The door was shut. It was just like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, Matthew says, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Do you see the, the connection in Old and New Testament? Jesus says, I'm going to tell you about a parable. It's about a wedding feast. It's about 10 that were invited, five that were ready, five that were not, five that were wise, five that were foolish, five where they said it's time for the wedding, and five said, hey, I'm, I'm just not prepared, and they missed out. Very similar here. And he says, people didn't realize what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. That is how it's going to be when the Son of Man comes back. Now, that, that should be a wake-up call to us. Go, don't just let that, that fly by here tonight. We look at that and go, wow, God's coming back at some point. And when he comes back, it's not like he's going to say, hey, FYI, church, if you call, be ready. Thursday night about 745. It says, no man knows the day or the hour. He comes like a thief in the night. And so then he says, two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know the day of the Lord, the day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. I mean, could you imagine if that's the way that burglars worked in our society today? If they, if they emailed out a schedule, the problem is, is even if they emailed out a schedule, you'd probably just think it's junk mail and throw it away anyway. But if somebody said, hey, just so you know, you live over here off of Nashua, I'm hitting that area Friday about midnight. Ring doorbell, ADT, they wouldn't be in business. Because people be like, oh, thanks for letting me know. Let's keep an eye out for you. Or in my case, my dog would just bark like a mania, but he does that all the time anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I'm kidding. He's a nice dog if anybody wants one. Um, but if that was happening, you would keep watching. You wouldn't. He wouldn't get broken into because you knew when he was coming. You must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now, that's intriguing to me that thousands of years ago, Matthew is being inspired to write down and say to believers, pay attention. You've got to keep watch, keep your head up. Know the day and the hour. It's going to be like it was in the days of Noah because it, here's the culmination of what I'm trying to say, Matthew says. He says, he's coming back, but here's the thing. He's coming back when you least expect it. Be marrying and giving in marriage right up to the time where Noah entered the ark. We can be sitting here just going through life and, oh, yeah, this is great. Praise God. Got this. Here's my schedule. And God is coming back when we least expect it. So we have to live ready. How can we be ready every single day? The answer is found in living every day as the bride. When I married my wife, this is our 19th Valentine's Day together. Yes. 19th Valentine's Day together. Actually, I asked her on our very first date in Stockton, California, Bible College on Valentine's Day. 
So at this time, 19 years ago, we were eating in some nice restaurant in Stockton, California. Oh, the journey. But when I married my wife, Gary, do you take Jacqueline to be your lawfully wedded wife? To have and to hold for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer? We laughed back then. I said, I work, I'm a server and I make 233 an hour plus tips. Probably more poorer than richer. In sickness and in health, will you love her, honor her, comfort and cherish her, forsaking all others, keeping only unto her for as long as you both shall live? And I said, I do or I will. I don't remember which part. I don't love and remain faithful to my wife when I feel like it. I don't love and remain faithful when things are going well. I'm not partially committed to her. I've asked this question in this pulpit before, and I will ask it again because it gets you thinking. How would you feel if your spouse tonight said, babe, I love you. It's Valentine's Day. You're special to me. And for the next year, for the next 365 days, I am going to be faithful to you for at least 90% of the time. Is there anybody here that'd be like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I know I'm going to be faithful. That, that means out of every 10 days, nine of them, I'm going to be faithful. I don't know anybody that's like, you know, that sounds like a good deal. Unless you got a dog for a husband and he's already sleeping around. We're faithful or we're unfaithful. We're either committed or not fully committed. And I believe that being part of the bride of Christ, there are a lot of these same concepts because physical marriages were created by God. Now, I don't read anywhere that God said, Adam, do you take Eve to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have a hold? And I, I don't read that. Maybe he did. That'd be cool if God performed a marriage ceremony. But a lot of these same, same concepts exist. And similar to marriage as we know it, he commanded them. He said, I don't want you to have any other gods before me. He says, I'm a jealous God. I promised to love him unconditionally. And when I walk with God, my, my love for God, my commitment to him is I'm committing to say, Lord, I will love you unconditionally whether you bless me or not. I will love you unconditionally if I'm rich or if I'm poor. I will love you unconditionally in sickness and in health. And have you ever thought about the marriage vows and said, I'm going to say this to you, Lord, as the bride of Christ. I'm not only going to go, yeah, praise God. God is good. There's money in the bank and the body feels great. But do we still say, yay, praise God. I can't pay my bills and the doctor gave me a bad report. I mean, I think that's what it is. I'm not. When we stood and said, Jacqueline, I take thee to be my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold, to cherish, forsaking all others, in sickness and in health, richer for poor. You don't say, I'm going to give this a try. If things are, if we're, if we're, 
healthy and rich, this is going to be awesome. If we're unhealthy and poor, I'm going I'm to flip a coin and see how it goes. But yet this is what we do in our walk with God sometimes. Oh, yeah, things are great. Yes. Can I testify today? But do we say, things are not looking great. But God, you're still good. And I am going to unconditionally love and serve you. He committed something to me and to you. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, that's an intriguing verse. Because, again, continuing on with physical marriage and spiritual marriage. Do you know where a lot of physical marriages fail? This verse. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things ye have. God, I want to be content. I want to worship you no matter what I have. But let's talk about regular marriage. Well, he or she looks a little better than my spouse. They treat me a little bit better. They seem like they respect me more. They pay me better attention. They seem like they're my bigger fan than my spouse. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with the things you have. For God has said, just like we said in our marriage vows, I will never leave. I will never forsake you. As the bridegroom, those are the words I want to hear from my God. <laughs> if I'm going to walk this way, that's why I can say in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor, Lord, I will serve you no matter what the outlook is because I know that we will go through this together. I know that no matter what the outlook is, I get to do this journey with my Lord and my Savior. And one day I will spend eternity in your presence. Similar to when I said to my wife, richer for poor, sickness and in health, forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. We have had some absolutely amazing days in our lives. And we have had some absolutely horrific, atrocious, terrible days in our lives. But we've gone through it together. And we've said, we're never going to leave each other. Never going to forsake each other. Vows were made. And what about those vows as the bridegroom, as the bride of Christ? Do you know why we're able to commit to him today? 1 John 14, 419 says, we love him because he first loved us. So if we're thinking, well, you know, I'm really a good Christian. I'm really dedicated to the Lord. You only love him because he first loved you. I only love him because he first loved me. He committed to us eternal promises. He also told us he will not share our heart with the world. Talking about that a little bit on Sunday, too, with holiness this past week. He told us to be ready. He says, prepare yourselves for forever. But like any marriage, anytime there's a bride and a groom, one can always walk away. One can make choices to share his or her heart with someone else. 
one can choose to be unfaithful. You know, when you, when you preach a marriage, a, a wedding ceremony, everybody's just like, oh, yes, I think I got one coming here in a few months. And everybody walks in, and they hold hands, just like, and sometimes a tear blank. You're so beautiful. You're beautiful. You're so handsome. Forever starts today. We write vows and we put up videos and sing songs and eat food. And you're just like, oh, such a beautiful time. Typically, you're not thinking, what if next week he leaves? I mean, if you are, that's a concern. That's a red flag. Let's talk about that in premarriage counseling. <laughs> We're not usually going, man. I know this dress looks nice, but what about when I wear a different dress? Will he love me as much? We're not thinking that. We're going, let's make these vows. This is incredible. But do you know every wedding ceremony comes with a risk? Every wedding ceremony comes with a risk. Because you're choosing. I don't care what we dated for a while. Oh, we were childhood friends. Oh, we grew up. Oh, we dated for this long. Oh, we were... People can be people that can make a choice. It, I, for me, I'm going, I put my faith and confidence in her that she's going to be an amazing wife and a wonderful mother and faithful. And I'm going to say, I will, I do forever. But we could make a choice. Not a good choice. But we could make a choice to go, I'm done with this. I'm going to be unfaithful. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to end this. But in a wedding ceremony, I'm saying, no, I'm choosing to put my faith and confidence in who you are and what you say you are. And in walking with God, there takes an element of faith. He lays out all these promises, and either you choose to say, I'm going to take you at your word. I believe you are who you say you are. I'm going to put my faith and my confidence in you. But guess what? You also, he says he will never leave or forsake. So if the, if the marriage breaks up spiritually, it's not because he left. It's because you did. Because he could have chosen to make you a robot. He could have chosen. I told my kids this recently in a Bible study. I was giving my family. I said, would you guys be impressed if I was like, watch this. Jack, you see, I love you. And mom was just like, I love you, Gary. I love you, Gary. My boys just started laughing. They were like, man, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> but I said, no, that, wouldn't, that wasn't voluntary love. That she, I want her to say she loves me because she loves me. She makes that choice. God gave you a choice, and you can walk away from your marriage to Christ today. But you know what? That would be foolish. Because he's the one that says, I will never, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will walk with you in sickness and in health, for richer, for poor. And he's saying, 
But if I'm going to do this, I expect you to forsake all others. The Lord promised us several times. He never stops loving us. He gave his life so we could be together. He never leaves or forsakes. So I'm not going to be the one to walk away from him. That's why he calls on us to love him with our whole hearts. And this is why he says, renew yourself on a regular basis. Look at scriptures. And these are just a few. I mean, I could go on and on. But Ephesians 4.22 says, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Holiness. Listen to Sunday if you missed Sunday. We put on the new man. There's a readying, a preparation that comes with being a bride. Is there not? Amy, is there any preparation going on right now? Any planning? Any thinking about anybody who's ever been married or preparing a, a wedding? There's a reason why some people make those jokes about bridezillas, things like that. People can change when the stress comes. By the way, she's not. She's still a wonderful person. But you start planning. What am I wearing? What are the bridesmaids wearing? What are the grooms wearing? What music are we wearing? Are we showing this? What songs are being sung? Where are we eating? What are, what's the menu? What's the venue? How much can we afford? All these things start to pile up. There's readying. There's preparation to being a bride and a bridegroom. And if we think the big day is just going to arrive, if we just go, oh, we love each other, let's just text our friends and be like, hey, Tomorrow, if you're interested, we're getting married at a venue. You should come. And we're just going to wear whatever we decide to wear and just show up. For some of you that love spontaneity, this sounds wonderful to you. I'm stressed just thinking about it. Is there any spontaneous people that are like, that sounds awesome? There's like five, six of you. All right. We're sadly mistaken, though, if something's just like, oh, it'll all work out in the end. No, it doesn't work out in earthly marriages like that. It surely won't work out when God comes back for his bride. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, that is why we never give up. Through our though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul writes here and he encourages the Corinthian church to look past the present and keep their eyes on the future, the eternal things. Isn't that this, the, the key to success, even in good marriages, not just spiritual? People who end up cheating on their spouses have a very limited view. It's very selfish, it's very self-centered, and it's very just focused on today, this moment. There's not really, if you could step back and go, hold it. A decade, two decades, three decades ago, I loved a woman and promised I would be with her forever and forsaking all others. And this is what old age looks like. And we're going to continue to walk this journey. But right now I'm caught in this weird moment where I'm living in just the present and not thinking about everything that's happened prior and everything that's going on after. I said this wasn't going to be a marriage thing, but if you're thinking about or being unfaithful, your spouse, stop being an idiot. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. 
don't do it. You took a vow, love your spouse with all of your heart, soul, and mind, just like the bride of Christ loves Jesus. I don't think I've ever said idiot in the pulpit, but it felt good. <laughs> don't have a view of just the moment. They look into the future. Somebody who cheats will see broken families, hurt children, lacking self-confidence, not trusting the family unit or God's design for marriage. A life lived that's outside of God's plan where you can find forgiveness, but there will always be pieces to pick up. All because someone lived for the moment rather than keeping their eye on the future. And guess what's the same way as we walk with God, preparing ourselves as his bride? Sure, there's going to be things that tempt us along the way. Don't act super spiritual. You're going to love, for God, love God, live for God. At some point along the way, something pops up that it's a temptation. Might feel good, look good, taste good, seem enjoyable. But ultimately, being in an eternal relationship with my creator, the lover of my soul, the only one who died for me and paid a price for me, is better than any temporary moment that I could ever experience on planet Earth. But in order to do this, I have to follow Paul's advice, and he talks about this day-by-day -day renewal, keeping my eyes on things eternal. You know, you talk to someone who's been married more than 50 years. Any here, anyone here been married more than 30? Raise your hand if you've been married more than 30. How many we got? Can you, can you just stand up if you've been married more than 30 years? Stay standing. Stay standing. Don't sit down. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Have a, if you've been married more than 40 years, stay standing. How long? 42. I hope you're right. She, she, she approves. Good. Hallelujah. How long? 47. Brother Jim, we love you. I know you're watching right now. He's not feeling well. We love you. How long? 42, 47, and 43. Congratulations, guys. That's awesome. And how many for them? 40. Did they sit down on me? Are you going to be 40? Oh, you're about to be 40. Awesome. She just gave me that piece of information. So, wow, so we got a couple. That's awesome. Got to have these couples teach a marriage class. You know, I've talked to people who have been married more than 50 years. They, they have renewed things to keep their marriage alive and healthy. They, they'll say things like, it wasn't always easy. I don't know, maybe one of these four couples will say, it was always easy. I, Sister Teresa's saying, I mean, she's saying, yes, it was wonderful, Brother Jim. <laughs> they made their union, union and their bond the most important thing in their lives, and they worked at it. 
And it wasn't always just because I feel like working on my marriage today. It was because I made a vow, I made a commitment, and I'm sticking by it. You know, maybe it's time for some of us to renew our relationship with our Creator. Here's what it means to renew. They just had Renew Marriage Conference in Missouri District this past week. To renew is to begin or take up again as an acquaintance, a conversation, resume, to restore or replenish. And I'm not just talking about physical marriages. I'm talking about, again, if you're a single person going, oh, this isn't for me. No, no, I'm talking about the bride of Christ, us toward God. To make, say, or do again, to revive or reestablish. To recover youth, strength, etc. To restore to a former state, to make new as if new again. If you've been married for any period of time, sometimes things need to be restored, renewed, revived. Sometimes you hit rough spots, tough spots. You don't just go, well, hopefully it'll turn around one day. You want to be active and go, no. I want to try to revive, restore, replenish, to reestablish. Renewal doesn't take place from Easter to Easter. Revival service to revival service, or even from one service to the next. Paul says it's a daily renewal. And I'll give you a hint tonight, a principle that will work. I'm talking about relationship with God, but it can pretty much work for anything. And that it's, it's easier to stay close than it is to get back. It's much easier to stay close than it is to get back. That could work for a lot of stuff. Exercise, diet, reading, studying, all these things. But talking about just our walk with God. Once there's this great falling away, very difficult to try to claw your way back rather than just going, you know, again, when I deal in marriage counseling with someone, you start trying to work through bad patterns that have been established. But how much easier it would be if we would just work to establish these earlier that's why I love pre-marriage counseling. I love to try to talk about some things now rather than later. Because usually when later comes, I'm the last resort. Here I get to be a little proactive. It's easier to stay close to him than get back to him. And it's interesting that oil... I won't be much longer, seems to represent the Holy Ghost in the New Testament. Look at the account of those wise and foolish virgins. The foolish were begging for oil from the wise, those who had prepared themselves, and they were ready. They had an abundance of oil to take them the long haul. Do you have an abundance of oil to take you the long haul, or are you just hanging on by a little bit that's left there, hoping it's going to get you to the finish line? Scripture brings some clarity here. There are some things we cannot share. 
We can share resources. We can share ideas. But only I can refill my Holy Ghost reservoir. I can't say, hey, can I get some of yours? Sister Waller, do you really pray? Could I have some of yours? She can pray for me. But only I can refill my Holy Ghost reservoir. Mom can't do it for me. Dad can't do it for me. Pastor can't do it for me. Spouse can't do it for me. Even a church service cannot do it for me. Only I can make and take the time with Christ to be refilled and refueled. And as I close, maybe for some of us, we've gotten off track, mixed up a little bit. Maybe we made this vow for some. Like I said, if we started going around, who's been here five years? Who was married a couple years ago? Who's married 12 years ago, 18 years ago, 25, 35, 45, 50? Like we could, we could find out who's been married at different times. Well, guess what? If I started saying, who's had the Holy Ghost for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 35, 40, 50? We'd have hands going up. When did you take your vow? And you could tell me a story. I'll never forget, I was a young child. And I remember it was a children's church service, and I was just speaking in tongues, and God filled me. Somebody else would say, man, I'll tell you what, I was broken. I was an adult. Everything seemed like it was just destroyed, but then I found hope in this apostolic Pentecostal church, and I was baptized in Jesus' name, and I made a vow that day, and I took on his name. You can tell me stories about your vow and when it took place and how long ago it was. And maybe at some point since that or some point along that way, just like a physical marriage, you've just been coasting. Kind of like, well, you know, I, I love him. I mean, we just, I don't feel him like I used to. And, you know, like back in the day, I remember, oh, man, I used to pray. And it was so easy to just connect with God. And lately, you know, it's been a little harder. You know, King David let himself get to this place. He obviously let himself get off track in both his walk with God and his physical marriage. Can a man after God's own heart get off track in his walk with God and his physical marriage? Unfortunately, we see it a lot. But that doesn't mean it's okay. Like I said earlier, our physical marriage is created by God. It's a type and shadow of his relationship to the church. And almost always, when a Christian marriage is struggling, at least one person involved in that marriage is also struggling in their walk with God too. When a Christian marriage is struggling, at least one person involved in that marriage is usually struggling in their relationship with God too. David, the man after God's own heart, got off track with his relationship with God, his relationship with his spouse. But in one of the most beautiful prayers of repentance recorded in scripture in Psalm 51, Nine, he says, he says, hide 
thy face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. He said, create. Verse 10, I have prayed this very prayer, these very words multiple times. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew, that word means repair or restore, a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. What do you need God to repair or restore this evening? What has happened since the time that you took your vows and have walked with him? And maybe there's been something that you've been coasting and now it's tonight, Valentine's Day, instead of just, whew, that's right, I got to pick up flowers, grab a candy bar, take my wife out to dinner, get a card, write something nice in it. Nah, that's, I hope you did all that. But maybe it's time where we go, you know, when we're talking about love, let me just go ahead and find a place to pray before I leave and make sure that I renew my vows as the bride of Christ. I think about my Lord and my Savior. If I'm truly the bride of Christ, if I truly love Jesus, I want to spend eternity with him. I want to be with him forever. Then I want to renew my vows. I want to say, God, I commit to you for better or for worse for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. I forsake all others, and I cling only to you as long as I will live. Is that your prayer? Is that your commitment? Is that your vow to your Savior? And so I invite you to find a place to pray tonight before you head off to just go, God, I just, I want to renew renew my vow to you, Jesus. I want to renew my vow, God. I want to make sure that my priorities are right. I want to make sure that I continue, that I'm not just coasting as the bride. Lord, I want to make sure that I'm dedicated, consecrated, committed, set apart, sanctified unto you, oh God. Jesus, in your name, I want to renew my vows tonight.